What an, uh, first of all, what an amazing source for us to be learning this Sefer. I was thinking about it on my way over here. What would the Piyasats and the Rebbe have said if he knew that we were learning this Sefer here in Eretz Yisrael? That would have been like, uh, if you could travel back in time and go to the Warsaw Ghetto and, and to see the Rebbe giving these shmuzen to the broken Yidden that were there. I don't, know if, I don't know if they could have imagined that one day we would be here learning this safer. So, first of all, thank you very much to the Lubats for hosting and for sponsoring and for putting together this wonderful initiative. And it should be a schos, it should be a schos for the neighborhood. It should be a, a beautiful way for us to start. I think, Bezer um, Hashem, we'll all gain from this together. So we're going to go uh, in order. We're going to go in order of the safer. We're not... Um, we're not going to choose particular pieces. We'll go in order of the Sefer. It doesn't really, the truth is, the Seder, I don't know, has anyone here learned the Sefer before? So it's, it's, uh, it's not necessarily like comprehensive. It goes, what well, we have. Remember that this Sefer wasn't found until the 50s. It wasn't found until after the Holocaust. This was the shmuzin that the Rebbe gave that were written up and that in a miraculous way were, were found. So we'll go through the Sefer, and even though right now it's not Rosh Hashanah, but the, the lessons are very much applicable even right now in this moment. So the Rebbe begins by quoting from the Psukim that we say before Tkiya Shefer on Rosh Hashanah. I called out to you from the, from the narrow places, from the straits, and answer me from a place of expansiveness. Koyli Shamato. You hear our voice, Al Talem Don't turn away your ear. Answer with with Ravach, with Yeshua. Give what we need. Medrash and Kaihelis explains Ramuna Deshav of Yeshua, the second Bashem of Levi. Pasar Karya, they explained the Pasuk. It's referring to the Pasuk of Lech Echel Besimcha Lachmecha, Vishasa Belev Tov Yenecha, Kikvaratza Elikimas Masecha. The Pasuk tells us, the Pasuk Kayelis tells us that a person should go eat happily their bread, and to drink with a, with a happy heart their wine, because HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants our Masim. We know the Chazal tell us that this is the attitude that a Jew must have on Matzah Yom Kippur. Is a Misa, I believe, with the Rav Levi Yitzchak Mibreditchev, that he got up after Yom Kippur and he clapped and he said, the din is in and the din is innocent. It's a very beautiful Bredichev or Misa. That a Jew has to leave Yom Kippur in a sense with the feeling of the restoration of innocence. And that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has passed him that we're innocent and we can go not with a heavy heart of having just rolled around in the mud and having said, Ashamnu, Bagadnu, Gazalnu, there's a certain sense that a person could have when a person is reviewing the Averas that they've done. There's a sense of a, a heaviness that a person could carry with them, Chas V'Shalom. And that's not, that's not a Jewish... I know we, we, we came up with this idea called Jewish guilt. I know we have, Baruch Hashem, a lot of Jewish mothers here, but Be'ezer Hashem, you don't have to pass that trauma on to the next generation. It could just be like an old Jewish joke, right? Our children could be raised in a very sweet way, in a very loving way. And Be'ezer Hashem with Nuh HaSagas. But the notion that a Yid could sit on Yom Kippur and could review everything that we've done wrong and leave, not with a heavy heart, 
with a feeling of innocence, which is really the aside of Yom Kippur to begin with. And as the Rebbe is going to speak out the importance of this feeling of innocence that a Jew must have. And to go into to go into Sukkot and to remember that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is a loving father. This is the attitude that a Jew must have when he leaves Yom Kippur. So the Medrash explains in a very fascinating way that this Pasuk is referring to Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur and the Medrash gives a fascinating marshal. Marshal Lemedina there's a, uh, a marshal that there, are, there, are, there was a town, there was a place that they were, they were obligated to pay taxes to the king. So the Melech sent his tax collector to collect all the taxes that were owed. When the Melech was 10 miles away, or when the, I'm sorry, when the Gabbai Tzedakah, when the Gabbai, the one that was coming to collect the taxes, when he came to 10 miles away, so at that point, they sent out the G'dayle Medina, they sent out the, uh, the Roshay Ha'ir, to go to praise him, to tell him what a wonderful person he is. And immediately he knocks off a third of the price. So if they owed a million dollars, so he knocked off a third. Gets a little bit closer. And now it's not the G'dayle Medina, it's the Benonim, it's your average citizens. They're going out, and they're also praising this tax collector. And again, he knocks off another third. Kishakarov, and when this tax collector gets very close, The Medrash says that everybody went out at that point, when the tax collector was so close, Everybody went out, and they praised this tax collector, and he's Michael the entire thing. Whatever was, it was. Let it go. It's in the past. And from now on, there's a new cheshbon. This is the this is the marshal that the Medrash gives. So too, when it comes to erev Rosh Hashanah, it used to be we don't really have this so much anymore, but it used to be that on in El. Again, we don't really have hasagas of what Elul was. It's, it's, a, it's a funny thing. Teaching in yeshiva today, Elul has the exact opposite connotation of like the shmuzin that I heard when I was younger. When I was younger, I heard all these like terrifying shmuzin about Elul. You know, even the fish in the sea are, are tzittering in Elul. And today, it's like all the rebellion in yeshivas here in Israel, like we just have to get through Elul. Like, let's just get the boys through Elul. And once they get back, there's the sukkahs, we can like phase our shun, pick it up and start. But it used to be that there was a real pachad naira, and the gedolim would fast. That was a way. It was a way, even by the way, even though the Baal Shem Tov came along and said that it's not so much our way to fast, we should know that even by the G'dayli Chassidim, they used to do like certain behaviors that were gullous types of behaviors, things that would put them in a proper frame of mind. So there was the Avaidah of leading up to Rosh Hashanah. And they would fast. And because of the fasting of these tzaddikim. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu would wipe out a third of our, a third of our Adairs. And this is going to be the central pasuk that we're going to have to deal with tonight. Ki'imcha aslicha means that HaKadosh Baruch Hu comes with forgiveness. In order that we should fear Him. From Rosh Hashanah, slicha is set up, it's arranged for us. Slicha is in, it's in the water. That the fear... The fear that we're supposed to have, which is what we're going to discuss tonight, what does it mean that we're supposed to fear the Eivishter? 
the fear that we have is a result of the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is someone who comes with Slicha. That when, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu comes with Slicha, the design of that is to create fear in us, which is not the way we would ordinarily think about it, right? If somebody comes with, with Slicha, so we would think that the natural response to that would be Ahava. Right? If somebody comes and they say, I forgive you, which is going to be a big sight tonight, that, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu comes and says, it's good, it's a new Cheshbon coming. So we would not naturally think that the result of that would be Yerush Shemayim, Abbas Hashem. Why is that Leman Tivare? The Rebbe here is explaining, he's bringing from the Medrash really. That the nature of this world is that there should be Yira in the creation. That's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu desires. And then we know that we have we have Tzayim Gedalia, we fast during the Aser Yisimei Tshuva. HaKadosh Baruch Hu again, he's Meichel Ashlish, he's Meichel a third of our others. And now, okay, maybe not everybody fasts on Tzayim Gedalia. I know uh, by the Hasidim, like the women never fast. It's only like Yom Kippur and Tisha B'Av. But other than that, like the women never fast. Which is a big to-do anyway. But everybody fasts on Yom Kippur. Everybody comes along and fasts on Yom Kippur. So, so the Medrash is explaining that these, this period of pre-Rosh Hashanah, of Aser Tshuva, and of course of Yom Kippur, is the way that HaKadosh Baruch Hu brings Slichat us. So the Rebbe here starts to expand. From Rosh Hashanah, Slichat is arranged. In order that we should have fear of Hashem. This is a big aside. It's interesting to see the different ways that Sadiqim frame the creation of the world. If you look in, let's say, the Tanya, the Alter Rebbe says, brings from the Medrash and Parshas Naso, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world to have a dear B'Tachtoinim. That's one path. You see, by, uh, by the Zayar HaKadosh, you see the idea that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted to be known to his Briyas. He wanted, he wanted to be understood by his creation. Here the Rebbe is explaining that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world in order that there should be a fear of Hashem. What does it mean that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world in order that there should be a fear of Hashem? HaKadosh Baruch Hu did this so that we should have Yer Shemayim. That's the Tachlis Abriya. The Tachlis Abriya is that we should have Yer Shemayim. Va'af haslicha hushenirah. And even Shnir Milfanov. And even the Slicha that Akadosh Baruchu, even the Slicha that Akadosh Baruchu brings into our world is a function as a result of the fact that we have to have Yiras Hashem. And here we're gonna get into a it's unbelievable the psychological insight that Aish Kaidish had. He says, Kikisha Ish Milukhlach Bikatoyim Bishvilzem is Yasir Biasurim Kashimumarim, Rahmanul Islam. When you have a Jew who's meluchlach bechatan, every one of us, that's, that's the condition of humanity. There's no such thing as a Jew who's not a chayte. Very, very few tzaddikim. If you look in Tanya, the Alter Rebbe explains that to be a tzaddik means that you never sin. To be a benoni means that you never sin. And the Alter Rebbe explains that most yidin are what he calls rasha v'toivloi, and Rosh Hashanah means that we sin, some of us sin more, some of us sin less, but the natural human condition, 
because of the nature of our creation, because we have a godly soul and a human soul, and because the human soul has a tendency towards self-preservation, so the natural condition is that we do things that put us in a self-preservation-oriented mode, and as a result, we engage in Averis all the time. That's the natural condition. So you have a person who's Mulukhuk B'chatoim, every one of us, who amongst us can say that, that we don't need to work on our Shmir Salashim, that we don't need to work on our Shalom Bayis, that we didn't denigrate our husbands, Chas B'Shalom. But these things come up. These are the things that we're all working on. Now this is a very important line because it can be very misunderstood. The Ish Kodesh did not chas v'shalom mean that as a result of our Averas, Yisurim were brought upon us. You have to know this. That was not the Ish. There were certainly hashkafas like that in the world. That was not the hashkafa of the Ish Kodesh. The Ish Kodesh, does, especially you can imagine in that time in the Holocaust in 1943 in the Warsaw Ghetto, probably would not have been so... I, I just can't imagine. Have you ever seen a picture of the Eshkodesh? It's the sweetest Hajjus Panam in the world. It would be hard for me to imagine that he's sitting there in the Warsaw Ghetto saying, and because of your Chatayim, that's why we're sitting here in the Warsaw Ghetto. It's not, it's not the way... You can look in other places. It's very clear that that wasn't his Ashkaf. And what Rav Weinberger explained when he said over Shirim on the Eshkodesh, is he said it means that the person is identifying. The person is identifying that the Matzav that I'm in is a result of the Chatayim that I've done which is a big shift, a very important shift. Because there's a difference between playing the theodicy game, right, which is a very dangerous game, that this happened because this happened. You see today, and not has being mezazel in these tzaddikim, because there are big tzaddikim that say these things, but it's like a funny thing. Whenever anything happens, it's like women need to be more tzniyas, and men need to be learning more Torah. And it was not the way of the Ish Kodesh, and many tzaddikim, it was not the way of these tzaddikim to start saying, why HaKadosh Baruch Hu did anything. But it was the way of the tzaddikim to tell us that it's our job to identify in ourselves, like why are these things happening to us in our life? Where are these things coming from? And that's not playing the game of why did the Rabbani Shalom do something. That's for us. And so you have this person, and they're, they're melukhluch b'chatoim. And, and things are happening in their life, and they're identifying, and they're saying that thing that's happening is a result of the way that I behaved. You can start to see the psychology developing over here. So, it's, 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 not, it's not likely. It's not likely. I'm going to go back to using my safe. Yeah? It's not likely that this person is going to have a year amitis. It's not, it's not likely that the person is going to have a year that comes from Hadar Gainai. So, let's just take a moment to explain here what the Rebbe means, because the Rebbe means something very beautiful and very deep over here. Real Yerushalayim is not what we grew up thinking Yerushalayim is. Most of us grew up thinking Yerushalayim is like this notion of like, uh, like this terrifying state of being before the awesomeness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You know, it's, it's a funny thing. You see it in yeshivas and seminaries. I'm sure many of you asked the same question when you were younger. I know I did. What comes first, Ava or Yerah? It's like a famous question. What comes first, Ava or Yerah? So if you went to the more Hasidically inclined Rebbeim, they said it was Ava. And then if you went to the Litvish Rebbeim, they said it was Yira. And they made you feel bad that another Rebbe said that it was Ava. You played this game before, yeah? And then it was like, which way is true and who am I? And it becomes like a question of self-identification that every person struggles with in those years, 18, 19 years old. The truth of the matter is it's a completely fundamental misunderstanding of, of Yerushalayim. To ask the question, 
in a certain way, I'm not saying it's not a good question, but it betrays a lack of understanding of what Yerushalayim is. Yerushalayim is a, the true Yerushalayim, this is what he means over here, he says, the idea of Yerushalayim, Yerushalayim that's amiti, Yerushalayim that's, that's authentic, that's real, the truest Yerushalayim, it comes from a recognition of the majesty of HaKadosh Baruch That's not a posture of, that's, that's not a posture that brings one to a state of fear. It's, it's like, um, I'm trying to think like what would be an example of this, but if you ever met like a famous person, like a, like a famous person, you're like, wow, that person's like a famous person. So like, just like a certain like, whoa, that's that person, right? And then if you meet like a real tzaddik, like if, uh, I don't know if, if anybody here had the opportunity to meet Rebetzin Kanievsky. My daughters had the opportunity to meet Rebetzin Kanievsky. They still out of Yemeza talk about the majesty that Rebetzin Kanievsky held herself with. Just a certain like very natural dignity that she had. I know that the times that I went to see her Chaim, there's a certain like just, a majestic nature of Rechaim. A person goes to Rebbe Shemayir in, in Yerushalayim. There's a certain majesty, there's a certain tzaddik, you see. And it's not, it's not Chas like you're trembling before them. It's, it's much more of like the, just, you're blown away. That, that's what it is. So it's like a funny thing to, to put that as like a frame of mind of like, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? What comes first, the or hava? It's like, what are we even talking about over here? Like the, these, these, these two modalities are, are so synchronized, really, in their essence, right? That's why the question is, in a certain sense, it's a good question, but it's, it's, in a certain sense, it's like, what came first? You respected somebody, or you loved somebody, or you looked up to them. In, in a relationship, all of these things are required, right? And th- for different people, different things come at different times. But this is the true Yer Hashem that a person is supposed to have. This is what he means. But this person, it's so difficult. Look what he says, Kosha shiyirame Hashem amitas. If a person is sitting there, and they're in the state of being where they consider themselves meluchlach bechatoim, and who amongst us doesn't feel that way, right? We consider ourselves meluchlach. I'm I'm just dirty. I'm, I'm I have so many others inside of me. I know that these things are happening in my life because I'm not because I'm not well adjusted within myself. I know there are things that are happening in my life that are also maladjusted. And that's a very natural way of thinking, right? It's like if I was okay, things would be okay. This is Lamashal in marriage, right? Why is marriage difficult? We all know the reason why marriage is difficult. If we would be completely in self, so then we know that the world responds to the way that we are. That things bother us because of things that are happening inside of us. So you have a person, and he sees himself, or she sees himself as, and now as a result of that, things are not going well in my life. Is a person going to be in a state of mind? This without, I mean, it's an unbelievable thing that the Ish Kodesh in, in 1943, that this was the Shmuz he was giving. He's saying, are you going to be in a place where you're going to have your Amitis? In the Warsaw Ghetto. When you, when you know that Klai Yisrael is being wiped out by the millions. And you're looking around and you're saying, this whole state of the world that's existing right now. And you know that, that you're totally like haphazard inside of yourself. Persons from that, from such a psychological place, a person could have a state of mind where they could have Yira Amitas. This is what the Eish Kodesh is telling us. And we're not that far from it. I mean, today, Baruch Hashem, missiles aren't falling, but we're not that far. It, it's a wild thing. You would think that in that time, we could understand that a person would feel that way. But even today, we feel that way. Even so many of us today feel this, this difficult sense of like, can I daven? How many people, how many people is, is davening difficult for? Because... Because we know, we, like, to confront HaKadosh Baruch Hu we know, we know what we think, we know who we are, right? And now I'm going to come to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and I'm going to talk to you. 
There's a boy, a, a boy in yeshiva, who told me, he said, davening is difficult, not because davening is difficult, right? This is like always the, uh, I don't understand the words, you know that whole shabbat, I don't understand what I'm saying, it's the same thing every day. This kid was honest. He goes, it's because of what I did last night. You want me to wake up in the morning, you want me to daven? Rebbe, if you would know where I was last night, trust me, you wouldn't want me anywhere near the base canasses. I said, it's just the opposite. I know where you were last night, and other, <laughs> that's why you need to come to Shul. But I understand where he's coming from, because I feel the same way. Who amongst us is going to talk to somebody that we betrayed? It's not a comfortable thing. It's not, you, you don't go to a place of, of, of safety and of love if you yourself were mezalzal in that place. And so we come, and we're meluchlech b'chatoim, and, and we're, we're identifying that all the things that are happening in the world are happening because we're not in a good place. And then we're going to come to HaKadosh Baruch and we're going to have Yer Amitis. This is, not, this, is not, this is not likely. It's very, very difficult. This is what Eish Kodesh says. Ki ikra yirahi megados Hashem shakol nefesh Yisraeli margeshes. Here again, unbelievable the Eish Kodesh's psychological insight. He speaks now about the notion of feeling. So just to give a, just to give a little bit of a preamble to what's coming up. To be in self, to be a person who's in harmony with the world, means to be a feeling person. And it turns out, and the Rebbe knew this, again, well before you know, we were talking about this in modern psychology, but the Rebbe understood that to be a human being means to feel, and the hardest thing in the world is to feel your feelings. That's the hardest thing in the world. For sure by the men. You know, that, that's an avayda, I'm sure some of you have seen that. Right? That's not like... A, but even, even, even by women who are more naturally emotional, you see that it, just because a person is emotional doesn't mean that they're feeling their feelings. Right? Just because you cry doesn't mean you're feeling your feelings. To, to feel your feelings means to give language to them. There's a, um, I learned many years ago, a beautiful, uh, beautiful idea, and I do this with, uh, with some of my children, that it, sometimes you can't give language to the feeling yet. Like you're not capable yet. The word addiction comes from the notion of diction, right? Speech. Addiction is the lack of capacity to give language to something. So addiction comes to give language, right? A person who's involved in those behaviors is trying to express something that's going on inside of them. So sometimes with little kids especially, when they can't express what, what's going on, so you could just ask them, where does it hurt? Like, where does it hurt inside of you? And you'll see, they'll point to it. They'll, they'll say, it hurts, it hurts here. So I do it with my five-year-old son. He was, he was being left out by his sister and their cousins. And I said, Mikey, tells me, tell me where it hurts. I said, it, it hurts right here. And I always said, I'm like, can we just like hold on to that? And he's five years old. It's a very beautiful thing. And then he hurt himself in his foot. And so I, I said, can you tell me where it hurts? And my wife started laughing. Like, not, not everything is an emotion. Right? Like sometimes you just get kicked in the shin playing soccer. But there's, a, but there's something very beautiful about being able to just sit with a feeling and to feel it. And to give language to it. That's the, uh, the avoda today is to be able to say words like, I'm lonely. Right? To say, I'm feeling abandoned. Or I'm feeling scared. Right? To give language to the feeling that we have is not a simple thing. Just because, we're, just because we're feeling something doesn't mean that we're feeling the actual emotion. To sit in it is a very, very important concept. It's, it's the core of being in self. And this is really what the Rebbe means. The main yira comes from the godless of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that every single Jew, each one according to our level, is capable of feeling. So Yeres Hashem is not, is not a, a logical construct that we have. Right? Yeres Hashem is an emotional experience. There's a regish there. There's an emotional experience 
that's happening that a person has to sit with and to be able to tap into. There are Jews that they're able to be margish. There's a feeling that's, that there's Yiras Hashem here. There's a feeling of the Rebbe Shalom and, and the Kedusha, the transparency of, of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the world. And, and they're terrified they would, never, they would never sin because of the godless of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. They couldn't, because they're so emotionally in touch with that Yira. It would be impossible for them to come to a place of sin. It's not where they're holding. And this is much more for us. And for most of us, what does Yiras Hashem mean? Yiras Hashem means Yiras Onesh. Which is a very childish thing, right? It's like, uh, no, no. It's beautiful. No, no, it's it's it's, it's dafka beautiful. It's a it's a it's a wonderful music to play along in the background of the uh, of the shir. You know, today with all of the uh, everything that goes on, like meaningful minutes or kolatar kula, they have background music. This is a much more wonderful background music. Okay, you too. It's, uh, we have a chorus. So there, there are yidin that the, that the yiras Hashem means yiras onesh. Yiras onesh is a, it's very it, again it's a level, but it's a very childish level. Imagine if our husbands, right, didn't tell us something because they were afraid of our reaction, right, which is most of the time. Right? Like, I talk to the guys. You can't share this with it. You don't understand. You don't understand what the reaction is going to be. It's a yiras onesh type of thing. Here's a person who I love deeply, who I've dedicated my life to. I can't be honest with you. Why can't I be honest with you? You're a Zionish. I'm afraid of the consequences of my actions. Like every ADHD kid who doesn't know that their actions have consequences, right? I don't want to tell the person that I love. You're a Zionish. It's a level. It's a level. But it's, it's, it's not a high level. Asher gami yira megadlus Hashem, asher nafsho pnimi margeshes, rakum neisha ish lav bar hachihu, vitomit shakuahu rak ba'atzmuso v'tzarchiusah. This is a wild line. This is what we could spend the next 10 years just on this line. It's a wild line. He's saying that this person who's involved in Yeras Ha'inesh, this person, he says it's definitely an aspect of Yer Megadlus Hashem. And, and the soul is experiencing something. But what is the soul experiencing? It's a self-centered, narcissistic worldview. I don't want to be hurt. It's not that I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to be hurt. That's really right. If our husbands won't tell us something that they did, what are they really saying? I don't want the consequences of the way that you're going to feel about the way that I behaved. It's a, the word narcissism is thrown around too much. But there's a certain self-centered, arrogant posture there that it's about you. It's not about you. Right? There's something that happened there. But there are people that because of their impoverished mentality, because they don't have enough in the tank, the way that they show up to their relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the way that they show up to their relationship with their spouses, the way that they show up to their relationship with their children, is a Yiras HaOnesh type of posture. I don't want to deal with the difficult feelings that are going to have to come up because of the way that you are going to feel. It's a very codependent type of language, no? This is what, and it's unbelievable that the Rebbe expressed this so clearly back then when most people in the world did not have this language. This language is you know, 15, 20 years old maximally, probably even so, closer than that. But here the Rebbe said it in a very straight way. He said, what are they really? Their yira of HaKadosh Baruch who comes from a yira of what's going to happen to me. That's what they're really holding. I don't want to suffer the consequences of this thing. So, so I'll serve Akshan. Yes, I'm, I'm not going to sin. This person is not going to sin. Why is he not going to sin? I don't want to be punished. But it's not coming from a loving relationship. 
And by the way, we could tell the difference, right? With the people that we love. We could tell the difference when somebody does something because they want to be in a relationship, they want to participate in a relationship, versus when they don't want the negative consequences of what you're going to say to them when they don't do the thing that you want them to do. Right? It's a completely different posture. Even though the activity could be the same exact activity. And on the outside, you won't be able to tell. Right? But on the inside, you know. Right? And that's why it's so frustrating for men that women say things to their husbands like, I feel like you're not here. Right? No, man has, no man has ever understood what those words mean. It doesn't mean that you feel... First of all, my being here has nothing to do with your feeling. It's not, subject, not everything is subject to your feeling. But what's really being said is, I know you're here and you're doing the thing I want you to do, but you're not here. Right? It's the, there's a Yerasa Onesh type of posture. That's the, uh, the beautiful story with Rav Orlovic. You know Rav Orlovic from Yushalayim? Rav Orlovic is one of the big mashkichim in Yushalayim. He's a tremendous pikach in the world of psychology. So Rav Orlovic gave a shir once and he said, what do you do, he's giving shir to men, he goes, what do you do if your wife asks you to go shopping for drapes? I embellish it, like on a Sunday afternoon when the guy wants to watch football. Right? What do you do when your wife asks you that question? He said, you're stuck. If you say no, she's going to be very unhappy. If you say yes, it's going to be much worse. Because when you go shopping for drapes and she says to you, which one do you like? Do you like the egg white or the off-white? Right? And it's like, we don't care. right? So whatever you want. And then you say, I feel like you're not here. Right? So what are you really saying? You're really saying, like, be with me choosing drapes. And what's the guy saying? I don't want to be here choosing drapes. It's not like, this is not my thing. So Orlowick's line, which was a beautiful line, is shopping for drapes may not be important to you, but it's important to her. And if it's important to her, it has to be important to you. That was the schmooze he gave that day in Yushalayim. What Orlowick didn't know is that there was a Hollywood screenwriter in the audience during that schmooze. This is 100% a true story, and I'll tell you how I confirmed it. There was a Hollywood screenwriter in the audience, and he said, what an amazing schmooze. If it's important to her, it's important to me. And he went ahead and he wrote a screen. He wrote a screenplay based on that shir. And that screenplay became Shrek 2. Shrek 2 is based off of a shir that Rav Orlova gave in Yerushalayim. Because in Shrek 2, it was a question of he wanted to be an ogre, she wanted to be a princess. But if it's important to her that I be a, that I be a prince, then I'll be a prince. But if it was important to him that I be an ogre, then I'll be an ogre. That whole show, that whole movie, was based on Sheer from Rivorlik. So I spoke once in L.A., and I said over this Misa, there was a kid in the audience, he came over with a bunch of chavre after the Sheer, and he says, Rebbe, you know that's a true story. I said, yeah, no, no, I heard it's a true story. He goes, no, 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 it's a true story. I was like, how do you know? He goes, that's my dad. His father was the guy who wrote Shrek too. It was written by an Orthodox Jew who heard this Sheer in, in Yerushalayim from Rivorlik. But this is the idea. It was... Do we want to be with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, not sinning because I want to participate in the relationship? Or Ba'atzim, really, I want to be doing something else. But I don't want to have to deal with you. So fine, so I'll go to Davin. So fine, so I'll go learn a little bit. Is that, where, like, where are we holding? And, 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 and the Eish Kodesh is pushing the envelope here. And he's saying, and if you have a posture of that impoverished mentality of I don't want to deal with the negative consequences of my actions, which is certainly a level... But it's a level that comes from a narcissistic worldview. So it's, it's from a place of, I don't have enough to be able to deal with what's coming my way. Because if I had enough to be able to deal with it, I would be okay with the consequences, right? If, if, if this is the way that I authentically believe that I should be showing up to this relationship, and you're unhappy with that, and I'm enough for myself, then that's okay. The fact that, the fact that I'm coming and I'm saying, fine, I'll participate in the relationship, but just don't bother me. It's coming from a place of self-protection. It's coming from a place of, I don't really have enough in the tank. 
So I'm really looking out for myself. It looks like I'm looking out for somebody else, but really I'm looking out for myself. This is an unbelievable line. V'zehu rak He's now he's returning to the to the person who has real yirsh Hashem. He says, V'zehu rak kayemes. When can a person have this real yirsh Hashem? When can a person have the yirsh Hashem that comes from Hadar When can a person have the yirsh Hashem that comes from this place of like just being in awe of the majesty of Hakadosh Baruch That only comes from a place when we are when we're standing. It comes from a place of safety. That comes from a deep place of self. Right? That's that's where that comes from. Az lahargish. That's the key word here. In that place, when a person is standing on their own two feet, firmly planted in their own soil, so then a person is able to feel as in such a state. So then I can come to a true year when I'm in self, when I'm when I'm when I'm okay, when things in the world are okay. When a person is being crushed, you can imagine again. You have to. You have to, these words must be understood in historical context. It was. It was the Warsaw Ghetto. They were being crushed by Yisurim. That's what they were. Being, they, the Nazis were everywhere, and they didn't know what was going to be. And they didn't hear from their relatives. And they knew, they knew bad things were happening, and it wasn't going to be that long before they themselves were wiped out. And and here the Rebbe is looking at them, and he's going right now. The situation that you're in is beyond human comprehension. Right? You're, 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 you're struggling terribly. You're and you're identifying that you are being crushed by these Yisurim because of the Chatoim that you've done. Right? In, in such a state, at, at Shekula Reivitz V'Neufel, everything is crumbling. And here's the huge words, She'af es magish. In such a place, what does a person become? Totally numb. They can't feel themselves. Again, the, the psychological insight here is unbelievable. That in such a place when a person, when, when the bombs are falling all around you, there's no time to be able to process the trauma that's occurring. There's no time to give a language. There's no time to sit in that feeling and to allow it to come up. It's not on, it's not on the table. Like I don't have the headspace for such a thing. And a chavar of mine who was uh, unfortunately in a, in a terrible, terrible marriage, and, and, and in an interesting way, he didn't even know how terrible the marriage that he was. He knew that his wife was cheating, but he didn't realize, like with how many people, it was a, it was a terrible, terrible matzav. It was a terrible matzav. I was very, very young. And whatever, unfortunately, I was privy to like certain information. It was a terrible, terrible matzav. The guy went to his rabbi. And the rabbi is a very, very big tzaddik. He said to his rabbi, I can't, I can't put on tefillin. I, can't, I cannot daven. So his rabbi said to him, you're putter from davening. Because you're absolutely putter from davening. You're putter from putting on tefillin. So the guy got very upset. He goes, what do you mean I'm putter from davening? I'm putter from, I'm not putter from davening. Don't tell me I'm putter from davening. He got very upset at his rabbi. And he said to him, he said, if you were in Auschwitz, do you think you'd have the headspace to put on tefillin and to daven? So his rabbi, I'm not in in Auschwitz. I'm I'm in a bad marriage. And his rabbi was like insistent and he was pushing him. Again, his rabbi is a very, very special person. And his Rebbe was telling him, he's like, no, you don't realize you are in Auschwitz. Like, the matzah that you're in right now, you have no headspace to be. There's no, there's no <coughs> capacity for you to be in such a place. You're put there from film. And, and he wasn't giving him, the Rebbe was not giving him like a chassidah The Rebbe was telling him, like, recognize the place that you're in and accept that this is what is at this moment. Right now, you're not in a place where you're feeling or processing anything. Your life is falling apart. Your kids are falling apart. Your mamish don't know what's up and what's down. You think the Abish are in such a state, it, it, like, saying, like, no, <laughs> how come you didn't daven a 15-minute shmanas, right? 
And the guy was arguing with him, and, he's, and, I'm, and I, I was privy to both sides of the conversation, and the guy was arguing with him, he's like, Rebbe, now more than ever I need to be davening. And the Rebbe goes, maybe that's true, but right now you're not in a place to sit and to daven and to open yourself up to all of those feelings. I don't know that he ever would have come out from that. He was numb because that was the state that he was in. He couldn't process any feelings. And this, this is Ma'amish, this is what the Rebbe is saying, the knife, everything around you is crumbling. And you can't feel yourself. So in such a state, when everything is crumbling around you, and you feel you feel totally unworthy, so it's going to be exceptionally difficult. I mean, this must have been an unbelievable Rosh Hashanah shoes for these Yid to be hearing in the Warsaw Ghetto, no? And he's saying to them, for, for you in such a state right now, it's so difficult for you to experience the true Yeres Hashem that comes from just sitting in the splendor and the glory of HaKadosh Baruch that's like an impossible thing to think about. This must have gotten right to the core of what so many of them were feeling. That they saw loved ones being carted off, that they didn't know what was going on. Could, did they have the language to process it? Especially now what we know with intergenerational trauma. And a, uh, as a therapist in Yerushalayim, you can't, you can't get in to see him now. He's like a, like a nine-month waiting list. He's an unbelievable therapist. He wrote his master's thesis. He charges like 600 shekel an hour. He's like, it's unbelievable. He's, uh, I mean, I knew him when he was younger and only charging 250 shekel an hour. So I've seen him, you know, Baruch Hashem. You know, he's got a lot of, he's got a lot of work. He, he wrote his master's thesis on the intergenerational trauma of the Holocaust. And how even today, he's able to see in the community, like, so much that, that comes from that impoverished mentality from the Holocaust. Because we have to give it language. It's going to take generations to give that language. It's, I mean, since Yitzhak Mitzrayim, there's never been a tragedy like that to Klaiyasu. So we're still giving a language, and so many of the things that are happening in our community, we're still trying to, to feel these feelings that our grandparents couldn't feel. And even if you didn't have grandparents that were in the Holocaust, you should, a Sephardi kid once said to me, he said, I feel guilty that I didn't have grandparents in the Holocaust. I said, don't worry, your grandparents suffered terribly too. It wasn't so pashat for them, right? But, but, like, there's a sense, especially today, even Holocaust education is, is Baruch Hashem undergoing a lot of changes. Changes that the Lubavitcher Rebbe, Zechitzat was already saying needed to happen many years ago. The Rebbe was very against the way that they were teaching Holocaust education in the 70s and the 80s. And we didn't know how right he was until much later. It was because psychology hadn't taught us yet. Like, that if you, like, I grew up, again, I'm a little bit older than some of you, but I grew up with, like, the stories of, like, we have to have children to repopulate from the six million. We have to learn Tyra because the six million were murdered. It was born from a very, like, Yiddishkeit was born from a deeply traumatic place, which is a terrible, terrible thing. Again, the Rebbeim didn't know it at the time. They were doing their best, and they were wonderful people. And, and there were certain people, I had a, a seventh grade Rebbe, whose name was Mordechai Finkelman. Have you ever heard of Mordechai Finkelman? He's a tzaddik, 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 tzaddik in New York. He's an unbelievably special person. So he, he taught Tafka very differently. But I, I'm sure I remember the Shemuzim. I remember the Shemuzim, like, we have to do this because of the six million. It wasn't we have to do this because of the Ebeshter, or because of the beauty of this relationship, it was because you're going to be persecuted. And there was, like, even today, and I'm not saying, again, there's a, there's a lot to unpack of what's happening in America today, but so much of the way that we're speaking about America today comes from our experience in the Holocaust. The, we're, we're deeply traumatized. They had, no, they had no capacity to feel themselves. So we have, to, we have to feel those feelings until they're felt out of existence. There's a boy in yeshiva who's, uh, whose father and mother are both therapists. It's a miracle he didn't go off the bar. Both of his parents are, both of, and they're amazing therapists. So he told me, just now, he told me, about two weeks ago, I know in myself that I have the capacity to become a raging alcoholic. 
That was the shprach. Happens to be that I know his parents very well. I knew them from high school. He said, Baruch Hashem, my father did so much of the work on himself to give, to give language to the trauma of our family so that I don't have to carry so much of the load. So I said to him, first of all, you can tell that your parents are therapists. Like, there was, like no 18-year-old kid speaks that way. Most 18-year-old kids come in and go, Rebbe, I'm upset and I don't know why. Like, this, uh, like your parents, and his parents happen to be amazing people. But it's such a special thing that he knew that. It's going to take time for me to work out. I knew, I knew his father when he was a kid. I knew his grandmother. It was going to take time for things to get worked out. And his father, it happens to be, his father did a tremendous amount of work on himself. And, and we have to give this language. We have to get to this place where, where we're expressing this Yeras Hashem that they were not able to express. This, this, this level of Hadar Ka'ono. I, I, I myself, I'm not even sure today I don't know how many of you are new in Eretz Yisrael, how many of you have been, been here for a while. I've been here for a while. Some of you are new, some of you have been around. The whole Nevei Shamir is new. We'll just say everyone's new, right? <laughs> certain scratches here. I was thinking about this eight years ago. Eight years ago was, uh, was a big war here. Anyone here eight years ago? Seminary. You were in seminary eight years ago. <laughs> I mean, eight years ago, eight years ago, my wife was pregnant with our daughter Miriam and my father when he was coming to the hospital my parents live here Baruch Hashem, my entire family made Aliyah my father when he was coming to the hospital when the baby was just born had to pull off on the side of the road on his way to Adas Enkarim because there was a, uh, a siren went off which meant that a rocket was coming and he had to get out of the car and like go lie down on the road and like that was like a thing like on the way to the hospital to lie down on the road that summer my children were in the park they were in a camp and they went to the park and a siren went off and they went under a picnic table. And I remember thinking to myself, like, would a picnic table help? Like, it, it's like, it's a rocket, right? Like, like, I don't understand, like, at that point, like, I guess maybe some shrapnel could be stopped by it. But then I, I started thinking, like, what is it like for our children that they know that people are abducted? That people could be abducted by an Arab? What is it like to know that terrorism could happen at any moment? Again, we're not... Baruch Hashem in the days of the Intifada when they were blowing up buses. <laughs> but there is a certain trauma that exists in the water here. There is a way that our children are going to grow up with... I don't know. I don't know if they'll be able to give it language. On some level, we're still experiencing this level of trauma. We're, are, we, are we in a place... like That's what it means, Geula, right? Geula means a state of safety where we could actually be. And when is the last time that Klal Yisrael experienced anything like that? It's not any better in America. The rise of anti-Semitism, these kids are also growing up with this. They don't know what... you could, It used to be you could walk down the street in Brooklyn and you'd be fine. And today you mamish don't know. And it's all over social media, right? It was a, uh, a video I saw. That some guy was attacking some Jew. And there was a Hasidish guy who was a truck driver. And he got out. He was like a big, heavy truck driver. You know, you don't talk like suspenders guy who was like... Wearing suspenders while he's driving a truck. It's a very <laughs> special type of yid that like looks like that. He drinks Richard's cold seltzer, like that, that, that guy. He has a lot of gala. He's very happy, right? And he managed to ran across the street. It looked like it was on, like, uh, somewhere in Flatbush. And he ran across the street, and he just threw this guy out of the way. I was thinking, like, that's a crazy thing, that our kids are growing up seeing these videos of Goyim attacking Yidden in the streets of New York. That wasn't like that when I was growing up. When I was growing up, uh, one of the Goyim stole my bicycle. You know, that was like, uh, today, Yidden are managed being attacked. Do we have the capacity to get to a state of, of safety and of just like regular life without trauma? 
Do we have that capacity to get to this place where we could experience Hadar Gaona? And in Kabbalah, when it comes to our children, and, and our children, Be'ezer Hashem, our children will be raised like Kedush of Tahir here in Eretz Yisrael, but more realistically, they will also have their challenges. Even though Baruch Hashem, we're here in Eretz Yisrael, there's no doubt that they will have their challenges. And that they'll be exposed to things, and they'll see things, and they'll do things, and they'll test the water, probably just like all of us did. And they'll also feel Meluch And will they be able to get to a place of Yeras Hashem, of Hadar Ga'ine? Will they be able to appreciate the awe and the splendor and the majesty of HaKadosh Baruch Hu from such a place? And that... And the Eish Kodesh is telling us that's a very difficult thing to do. We do one more paragraph, yeah? We do a little bit more? One more? Okay. The Zesh Oymer HaPasuk, this is a fast one. And this is what the Pasuk means, Ki Imcha HaSlicha Lamanti Vareh. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu comes with Slicha in order that we should have Yerush Shemayim. Kamer Shekasov HaMedrash, Me Roshana HaSlicha Metukan HaSlicha. Hainu HaSlicha VaHayishua. Kadei Shei Tehi Yerosh Chal Briyoy Secha. The Kivan Shabirash Shanas Mechu via Makipurim, Him Yom Shinim Sabama Kodosh Barhu, Dirsho Ashem Behimatso, Lachem his Dalas, Elikis, Lenashe Shala is, Yer also Yusbark Musaireris, Behol Echad, Biesser Shais Viesrois. So what happens? A Kodosh Barhu comes, and he wants us to have, he wants us to have Yer Shemai. He wants the Bria to have Yer Shemai. And in this time of Asarisime Chuva, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, in this time it's Dirsho Ashem Behimatso, A Kodosh Barhu's. Presence is felt. And therefore, since HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence is felt, there arouses in every single Jew a feeling. There's a, there's a revelation. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is coming. And there's a year that's awakened inside of us. Every single person in, in their own way, but, but, but it's certainly happening. V'lama nimso mezgalahata. And why, why do we have this feeling when it comes to HaSesim Tshuva and Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur? When it comes to Yom Noram, why do we have this feeling? So he says an unbelievable thing. Because this is the nature of creation. The nature of creation is we were created and the world was born in order that we should reveal HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Malchus in this world and that comes, that comes through Yeras Hashem. V'zehu apshat b'med Roshana Sh'al hata'anisim shal erev Rosh Hashanah Rosh Hashanah v'yayim ha-kipurim ha-yimah Masha sh'yatsu v'nei ha-medina v'kasu Saying what what praise is this that that these tzaddikim were fasting erev Rosh Hashanah and that more people were fasting than Eretz and that everybody fasted on Yom Kippur? Why is this why is this a praise? Why is this a praise to the tax collector to Hakadosh Baruch so to speak? He says, "Avla now, chutz min Ashiras v'tish b'chayis shayimrim b'yom melo." Aside from all of the wonderful praise and the songs that we're singing in these days. All of the tears that we're crying, all of the tefillahs that we're davening, all of the supplications that we have, they're all a praise. Why are they a praise? Because it's a revelation to us. Because we are experiencing, it's a regesh, it's a feeling. In, in this state where we're crying out to HaKadosh Baruch and in this state where we're fasting, and in this state where we're, where we're being mispala, and we're doing all of these things, it's a revelation to us that we do feel it. That we do feel. And, that, that, that it, and it's so missing from our life the rest of the year, right? The, the rest of the year we're coming from a place of Yeras Ha'inesh. The rest of the, place, the, rest of the year we're coming from, from an impoverished mentality that I'm not enough, so I don't have the headspace 
to be able to say that this is a safe place for me to sit and think about the splendor and the majesty of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But when it comes time of, of, of Yamim no Raim, so a person is in a different headspace because HaKadosh Baruch Hu is present. And when HaKadosh Baruch Hu is present, it awakens something in us. And when it awakens it in us, there's a feeling that we have that, ah, I'm back. That I'm in a place now where I can just appreciate the majesty of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And I'm not coming from this place of, I'm a terrible Jew. And I'm not coming from this place of all the Averis that I did. And the, and the thoughts that if you only knew that I was having Rebbe. No, we're not coming from that place at all. It's, we're, we're, we're experiencing the revelation of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And, and, as, and from such a place, there's a pachad on HaChatayim, not because we're afraid of Yerush but because how could I have ever done that in the relationship? Which is a completely different headspace. I'm not afraid to feel the feelings. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to confront, and I'm not afraid to say this is what I've done. I'm willing to accept any consequences because I need to be honest. I need to be honest in this relationship because I can't be honest in this relationship. Then where am I ever going to be able to be? That's the hardest thing, right? The hardest thing is for us to act like a kaddish baruch in our own lives, right? That that's what we're called on to be. To that our, that our spouses and that our children and that our neighbors should be able to feel that with us they could be who they are with all of the spirituality of their imperfections and to give them the space to be able to say it's okay to be you. That's a tremendous gift that we give to another, right? We're not supposed to have to parent our spouses. It's not the way it's supposed to be, but the reality is that we all have to lean into the discomfort of the work of being a space for each other. And we all grew up with, on some level, difficult challenges, challenging backgrounds that we all had, things growing up. We all have our scars. But to be able to say, it's okay for you to tell me the things that you've done and the way that you behaved, because I'm not here. I'm coming I'm coming from a forgiving posture. And, there, and there's a revelation that you're going to experience that when you come to me and I'm a person of forgiveness, the gift that I'm giving you is you can be. And, and the irony is that when a person can be, then, the, then they can actually change. But until they, if they can't be, then they're living in a year of Sa'inish posture. Right? If you won't allow me to be, then I'm terrified of what you're going to do to me. So on the one hand, it's up to each individual person to say, I'm enough for myself. But on the other hand, it's up to each one of us to also create the space for everybody else to be able to say, Ki imcha I'm a person that's coming with a forgiving posture. And so there's able to be just a recognition of the relationship that exists. And if that's true in our personal lives, then it's also true of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's true, we have to have a posture that when we're coming to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, even though we're not necessarily in Asar Shuva, but we're after the period of Shavuos, and we're certainly starting off into the summer, which is a period where we are Meduka B'Yisurim, where we're going to be experiencing the turmoil of the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. So it's incumbent upon us not to slip into that mentality of, I'm not enough for myself, and I have to be terrified of what's going to be, because I can't handle whatever punishments are coming in my way. Rather, we should have the posture of the Aser Simei that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is coming, He's close to us, and He's coming from a posture of Ki Imcha Aslich. And if we know that we're forgivable, if we can attain the feeling of innocence, then Be'ezer HaShem Yisbarach will be able to have the real pachad of, I don't want to do a chet, because I would never want to hurt this relationship. Okay, I'll stop here for tonight. Yeah? Okay.